everyone, and welcome or welcome back to the Mississippi Artist to Artist podcast, where we get to talk to artists that are living and working all over our state today. Um, if you are aware, we are now in our summer schedule, which means that the, the interviews that we're doing won't come out weekly during the summer. We've got a lot going on, so make sure to pay attention to that. Um, we've got the introductions show coming up with the, the Yellow Collective. I'm excited about that. It's introducing our collective that we've, we've gathered from all across the state. We come together to support each other in conversation and idea building. And then we're just working to make our visual arts and the visual arts of others just elevated within the state. So make sure to check out that. That'll be June 17th, running through August 5th. Uh, Fridays and Saturdays from 3 to 8 p.m. at the Mississippi School of the Arts. Well, on to the interview. This week, we are welcoming Ra Lowry. Ra, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Derek. So to start off with, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you grew up and your history with art? Alrighty. So I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York, and growing up there, it was the mecca of art. Anything around me was completely either overtaking with graffiti or just had some sense of ability to do with art. So growing up there, you meet a lot of different type of artists. When it comes to schooling, they actually hire a lot of artists. So growing up there, I really found a sense of connection with myself and I moved to Atlanta and I kind of not lost that sense of mobility, but I lost that connection with being around so many different artists because Georgia is more of a place that's focused on sports versus the arts. Anybody knows when they go to New York, one of the best places to go see is probably the Museum of Art. You know, everything has to do Broadway or anything like that. It's art filling up the entire city. So being in Georgia, they weren't many galleries to go to. You know, as a kid, I got to go and experience a lot of different art galleries. Being in Georgia, it was, you know, let's go to a football game or a lot of the kids and friends I met out there wanted to play football or play sports outside. And it's just like, eh, I'm going to go inside and draw a comic book. You know, this is not something that interests me. So as I got a little older, I got a chance to move back to New York and I went back to the home I grew up in. I didn't have to go out and pay, pay rent to different places and stuff like that. I was fortunate enough to just go back home because everybody had kind of left the nest, so to say. And my grandmother was in this big house by herself. And I was just like, well, you know, I can go home. I can go hang out with her and stuff like that. And just a little back info, school was horrible for me in Atlanta. Um, I did not like it. Uh, not to say I got bullied a lot. I just didn't really fit in because I was such an outsider. Like growing up in New York is such a different aspect of growing up in the South. So I got into a lot of fights, uh, a lot of suspensions, you know, just didn't connect with a lot of teachers and stuff like that. So. When I went back to New York, I hadn't graduated yet. So from there, I was just, you know, I knew I needed to come back at some point. I needed to either get a diploma, get a GED or something like that. But I was so focused on my art. I was tattooing at the time when I moved back to New York. And I was just like, man, the money I can make off of this, I don't need a degree. But I wasn't really thinking long term at that point. So just being back up there, more so coming into my adulthood and as a teenager, I was just like, okay, I'm gonna make something of this one way or another, one way if I have a degree or not. But as I started to think forward, you know, I knew some of the things I really wanted to get into, like actually go to college for my art, 
I had to go back to school. So I had to return to Atlanta at some point. So came back for a little while, uh, graduated, and I met an artist who was living out in Miami. And him and I were kind of cool. I met this girl. She was out in Florida. And I just went out there, took a shot at it, sought out what I could get into. And I got a phone call from my aunt one day. And she had told me she put my name on some list for Art Institute. I was like, yeah, whatever. And they called me. And I went. They looked over my sketchbooks. And they offered me two grants and a scholarship. I was just like, okay. um, I think I might stay in Florida now. And I think I should go to college. You know, I think this opportunity that's really presented itself for me for some reason. And I rolled with it. I didn't like it at all, though. It was the most boring point of my life because the classes just it didn't fit my style. Yeah. So it's you no know, one of the things that I'm I'm often curious about with people who have moved um, around to bigger cities and into smaller rural areas is. When I was living in New York, one of the the things I was most connected with was art because it was around me everywhere, but it kind of stopped at that connection. And it was a lot harder for me to connect with artists in New York. And I, I like to say that, you know, you could, I could step out of the door and bump into an artist because we were all there to do the same thing, but I never could connect with them. And now in Mississippi, I feel way more connected to the artists. Have you ever felt anything like that? Any shift between yeah. your living situations? Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Um, I can say, touch back on what you said, it's just being up there. A lot of people have this arrogance about themselves and it's they're, they're there to do what they have to do. And it's just like, screw the world around me. I'm here for what I'm doing. And some of them may not seem to come off like that, but I've bumped into many artists like that. You know, being here, it's not really like that because say it's a smaller place people have more of a sense of community and a sense of you know just being a lot more friendly like here people wave to each other i think that is so great if you wave at somebody in new york they're likely to beat you up (laughs) but just being there versus being here when i was tattooing in new york i think if I would have been tattooing elsewhere, you know, I could have learned a little bit more about myself as a tattoo artist versus just learning the craft. Though I had a great opportunity presented to me, I had a lot of people kind of spit in my face because I was hanging out with this family friend who knew a tattoo artist. It was like his best friend. And a guy loved my work. He had a shop up the street and was like, yo, come hang out here. I'm going to give you a booth. I'm going to teach you everything about it that you possibly need to know because I really love your work. And of course, he knew my family. And, you know, a lot of his friends kind of just spit in my face. And sometimes he stood up for me because he was just like, yo, man, this is a young kid. Do you see what he's doing here? Like, do you see his work? Like, his work is, I like his work better than your work type thing. And, you know, that kind of discouraged me a little bit because it was just like, man, you know, like, is my work that good? Like, why would they look at me like that? You know, I, I thought I was doing something. But being out here, it's people are a lot nicer to you. People are a lot more friendly. You know, artists here are more willing to connect with you and get to know you as a person versus it's like, oh, let me see your work. You know, I've tried to sit down and have conversations with other artists and it's like, let me see your portfolio. I'm like, dude, this is not an interview. I want some information. Like, I want to know how you do so-and-so because I really like it. You know, I thought we were going to make a connection here. 
it's a little different. It's, it's a lot different being in the South, being an artist versus being in such a major city and people are only there to do business versus, you know, they look at it less of building their craft. I think with with Mississippi and with other small areas, you know, because we, we have lots of small areas, um, you find that it's it's a lot harder to step on somebody when you have to look them in the face every day. And, and yes. you yes. don't ever have to see anybody again. They will disappear unless they're on the exact same route you are every day. <laughs> yes, that is so true. That is so true. Being from New York, I have a, I still have that mindset. Like that mindset will never change because I grew up there. You know, it wasn't like I was there for a little while. I grew up there. And then I went back and spent a major part of my teenage years there. Every break, school, vacation, we went home because, you know, unless we went to travel somewhere else with family, we went home because my grandmother was still up there. And my grandmother to this day is like my best friend. So one thing she always told me was let it roll off of your back like water on a duck. And I used to get so irritated when I was saying that. But as I get older now, I understand it because there's so many things that bother other people don't necessarily bother me, so to say, because I've spent so much time out of New York. So that mindset has kind of subsided. But at the same time, sometimes you still have to check yourself with certain things because it's like, though somebody may not notice they're coming off kind of rude to you, you know, it's just like, let's, let's reel this in. Let's try and just treat this person like a, any other person, even if they feel they have a sense of arrogance or whatever, let's just make a connection and let's worry less about, you know, being offended and stuff like that. But growing up there, it was, you know, it was such a hostile place. So to say, and you can relate to it, you know, it was very hostile. Yeah. Especially being out in Bed-Stuy. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I went and lived in bed before the gentrification movement. Yeah. Like, directly before yeah. it. And I'm glad that I did, because if I had come at the same time that that was happening, it would have upset me like big time because I want to go and live in an environment and I want to live in an environment with the people that are there. And I want to smile and I want to connect and I want to, to meet them. And, you know, when all of that started happening, that was no longer an option for me. I looked like the enemy and I completely understood that. You know, it's just like, okay, well, and I'm, I am grateful for the house that I lived in because it was a wonderful, wonderful house. I'm grateful for the experiences I had there. But by the time that I was done with my three years there, I was kind of shut off and isolated. And, and I just hung out in the apartment all the time. Like that was, I, I secluded myself away from the rest of the world. And I would go out for events and stuff like that, but that would be it. Man, I could. I couldn't imagine what that would be like in my sense, but I saw the gentrification movement happening and I can definitely say I didn't appreciate it just for the aspect of just a lot of the people who I did meet, they took it for a joke. And being that I was from there, my neighborhood necessarily didn't get as gentrified because I'm from an area where there are a lot of islanders who refuse to go anywhere. But I've seen it happening in places where it was just like, man, you're, destroying some of the like greatest parts of what New York used to be like Soho in the village, you know, like the mindset of the people who moved down there were kind of just different of what it used to be growing up. And I was just like, man, like New York will never be the same. You know, once I can say 
some people say it like this, once money starts coming into an area, it kind of destroys the history of kind of what it used to be. Like some of the greatest, greatest places people used to bomb graffiti and just do crazy stuff have now become like stores and stuff. And it was just like, man, growing up there, if you knew these people, they were like legends in your community. Well, let's jump down to Miami real quick. I know that Miami has a, a big graffiti scene and they have a whole section of the city that's that's, um, you know, it, each of the buildings are auctioned off, I think, once a year or twice a year. And like different artists get to come and put murals up everywhere. Did you ever get involved in any of that or did any of that ever seep into your life while you were down there? I took a lot of time to tour them. But I never got into the aspect of actually putting the murals up down there in that area. I've done murals in Atlanta and I did a couple in New York, but I didn't really get into that scene there because it really didn't appeal to me because it was more so, like you said, an auction. It was just like, let's see whose work is the best and who we're going to choose. And if you don't get selected for something like that, it's kind of a bummer. Like, damn, man, like I, I really had some ideas for that world, something like that. Even though a lot of the town is dedicated toward graffiti and murals, it's not really free for artists to go graffiti. I've been to a couple of spots where you can go put some stuff up, but dude, if you get caught, you're going to jail. Everybody knows that. And it's just like, I don't want to go to jail in Miami. Everything's expensive out here. Jail is probably expensive out here. So I, I got to see a lot of it. Um, I did a couple of events out there, of course. I did Art Base with five years running. So that was pretty cool. I can definitely say that was a definite highlight of my art career so far. Got in touch with some people and they just love what I was doing. And I got offered a spot for five years running to be down in just the central hub of the art visual scene. So that was like, probably, yeah, that's pretty cool. It's probably one of the definite highlights there. No kidding. Like, yeah. that's awesome. Tell us about that. The art basil scene, it is intense, man. Like it is, it is seriously intense. You have so many different artists from around the world. Like there are hotels who literally take everything out of their rooms, and every different room is a gallery from another country. Like it's serious to the point like that. And it is like it's so much pressure. Like I would spend months and months and months just creating content trying to get everything set up for the big day. And it's like, okay, I'm not going because I can't do it. It's too much pressure. I can't because it's like a week long process. So just selling to different artists, connecting with different artists, selling to different people and stuff like that. I've got to have my work in different countries. I've made connections with different people. I actually have a good friend who lives in Nepal who I met in Miami. And it was pretty cool just connecting with him and getting to know him as an artist, even though he lives on the complete other side of the world. So when did you make the jump to Mississippi? I originally started out in Brooklyn, like I said. And um, from there, we moved to a little town, so to say. That's the say, what was it? It was Gwinnett County, Georgia. And growing up there for a little while, I really didn't feel the sense of connection there. So when I was about 17, I went back to New York and I was tattooing. Stayed there for a while until I moved to Miami. Had an opportunity to work on some stuff out there. And I got tired of being out there. I'm a very avid hiker. So long story short, I ended up going back to Atlanta and my wife and I met. 
and we had our first child in 2020. And as a push gift, my wife's father gave us some property out in Mississippi. So we moved to Mississippi in January 2021. And this is our first year out here. And it's a great little community. To Mississippi is definitely an interesting place to jump to. It gives you a lot of opportunity with a little... Um, financial stability, if that makes sense. Like you don't have to, you don't have to make a lot to do a lot here, which opens up a huge amount of opportunity. Um, how does that compare to your experiences in Georgia and New York? I like the sense that, like you said, you don't have to do a lot here to live. You can really just sit and think. Like I like the community because I'm able to sit and be able to connect with myself, work on my things that I need to work on versus being in such a place where it's so much distraction and it's so loud and different things like that. Now, I know you through Instagram and um, looking back on your Instagram, jumping back to probably what, 2018-ish um, is when it looks like you started taking your drawing and your art a little bit more seriously. Um, you had lots of sketches and lots of things before that, but then there was this turn where you started developing, uh, it feels like you started developing direct interests and direct styles. Do you, around that time, was there anything that happened to, to, to spark that extra development? Yes. I moved back from Miami to Georgia. So being in Miami with so much going on, I was focused, but I was not as focused as I probably should have been. So moving back into Atlanta, I got some time to sit and just really connect with myself and realize where I want to go with things. I left Miami because growing up, starting to grow up and become an adult more so and think about my future moving forward. I knew being with my art and connecting with my art is what I wanted to do. So being distracted by so many other things, I knew going back to somewhere that gave me a sense of just self. I'm a very avid hiker. So I spent a lot of times creating just my artwork, sometimes out in the woods, just coming up with the basic sketches before I come back to the studio and really get it together. So around that time, you know, I was really having conversations with myself, like, hey, you know, you got to reel it in, man. Like, okay, cool, did some partying, beach partying, okay, cool, but that's, that's not what really interests me. So I started to really rein it in and focus on what I wanted to do with my life. Now, are you still tattooing? I am not. I stopped tattooing once our sons were born and once the pandemic hit more so because I didn't know what was going on, neither did anybody else. So I knew it being in that area was probably not the best. And we have a family tattoo shop out in Atlanta. My brother is there and he completely wouldn't even let me come to the shop. I couldn't get some of my own pieces done because he was so nervous that I could possibly bring something home to my wife and baby. So he was just like, you can't come anywhere near a shop. And I know I can't even go into another shop. So, yeah. It's crazy. It changed the world for a while. Yeah, it, it really, it changed the world. But at the same time, I could say, I won't say it's a blessing, but it really gave some people an opportunity to focus on what was important for them. Like how you said, you started this, um, this podcast to begin with. I can definitely agree. During the time of COVID, I was actually just, home completely out of work because my job disbanded i was working at a hospital and they completely shut down our portion of the hospital like our team we were all sent home for a couple months so it was actually pretty cool if you ask me 
I went out to Vegas. My family who lives out there, we took a two-day drive while my wife was seven months pregnant out to Las Vegas. And out there, I told myself, like, I want to get into another form of art aside from just tattooing, sketching, and things like that. So I looked into some sculpting. And I had an idea of a burger that's on my Instagram. And I was just like, you know, I really want to put this into a real model. And last time I had worked with Clay, I was in fifth grade. And I'm 28. So I was just like, this is not going to be as hard as it might seem. So went to the store, grabbed some clay, and just started to form it. And I was so shocked on how it came out. I love that. It's How big is it? It seems like it's kind of... It is about an inch. I have a ruler in here somewhere, but it is about, no, I'm sorry, not an inch, about a foot and a half, sorry. No, why is it an inch? Yeah, it's about a foot, a foot tall. I love that little, it's this exploding burger. It's great. It, <laughs> just, the, the top is flying off and you can see the tomatoes and the cheese and the onions and the lettuce and the burger and it's all flying apart. It's great. And then you have a, a painting that matches it. Did the painting come first or did the sculpture come first? The sketch came first. I always jot down my ideas first. Sorry, there's any rattling in the background. My master's besides he wants to scratch at his neck. <laughs> he, um, Back to it. The sculpture always, the sketch always comes first. I sit down, I jot out an idea. Well, you know, I've run a lot of things past my wife now because she's my every day. I can just bounce ideas off of her, even if it doesn't make sense. But to me, I got to get it out, you know? So once I got the sketch done, um, I started to think about how to create it. But one thing working with sketch and one thing working with clay is what you can put on paper and make suspend. And bin air is not what you can necessarily do in the world world. So it's actually a trick that I put behind this. Um, a couple of people who have seen it, no one's been able to figure out how it was able to, as you say, explode the way it is and still be connected to one piece. Now, did you make it out of polymer clay or is it out of um, a traditional clay and was fired in a kill? Pottery clay. I don't have a kiln on hand, and being that we're in such a rural part of Mississippi, I haven't even found anywhere yet that sells or does anything with clay. So it's actually completely unfired clay. I just let it dry out in the sun since it's so hot here. Now, you've gone through and you you started kind of your, well, let's let's talk about your, your background in art. I know that, um, you know, you got really interested from your childhood in New York and being surrounded by art. And then you moved on to Georgia. Were there classes? Did you get to go to any places for it? Like, did you, how was your development with art? All right. So my development with art was really my grandmother. Uh, living in New York, we grew up in her house. She had a huge store that was confirmed. It was confronted and changed into a constructed, sorry, into a house. They put in apartments and she had a five bedroom apartment upstairs and two-bedroom apartment downstairs, and I was allowed to draw wherever I wanted. Like, some of my oldest pieces are still on the walls in her house. And, like, my oldest piece I've done to date that is framed is a oil pastel piece. So, coming to Georgia, I didn't really have that opportunity to just go wild with it and just, you know, fully express it. Because living in Atlanta, Everything was about sports, so to say, in high school. And, you know, 
I'm not really a huge sports fanatic. I'll just be honest with it. I'm really not. So I didn't have that opportunity to express it that much. The classes, I would say, were mediocre because I'm getting in classes and they teach me how to draw a square. At this point, I'm fully able to graffiti a wall. <laughs> so I was really, really just bored with what was going on there. So I wasn't able to nurture it as much there. And that's one reason once I got the opportunity, I moved back to New York. Yeah, go back and get get what you're missing. That's um, yeah. we've been there's there's a couple of places across Mississippi and, and talking to several of the artists that I've been able to interview. Um, there's lots of us that have studios that we teach out of and we you know we're teaching artists we're not in the educational system but that's one of the things that I know that I as a teaching artist really try to hone in on are the ones that are a little bit more advanced and may get bored with what we're doing and constantly trying to develop new challenges for them so that they stay interested and stay creating and getting better at what they're doing without washing out. Cause yeah, it's, it's tough when you get stuck in a group and everybody in the group is at one level and you just happen to be at another level than them. It's, that's a, that's a tough situation to be in. Cause it's almost heartbreaking. It's like, where do I go from here? Yeah. That, that's how it was kind of for me in college. I went to the art Institute and I was out in Fort Lauderdale and I ended up helping teach the class sometimes because my professor, he got a degree in art, but the dude couldn't draw a straight line. And a lot of the artists who were in there, not to diminish them at all, but they were coming out of high school and this was something that was pushed on them. So it was just like, well, I'm going to learn to do this and learn to do that. And, you know, it got to a point where I would just take my own pieces and just turn them in as a classwork project just for the grade because I was like, I'm not like, this is a waste of my time. Like I'm here trying to you know, get a degree in something. And it's just like, really? Yeah. So we've transitioned from tattooing, now working into more traditional art media. What do you think you want to go into? From here, man, I don't even know. Like I'm, I want to get into working on bigger pieces with my clay. Like I'm really interested in bringing a lot of my sketches into like a real world, you know, to bring to people, bring it to eye in a different light. Right now I'm working on my biggest project yet being a father, which is how I work. Second son, he's three weeks old. So I don't even know where I want to go with this yet. Like I want to start teaching them some stuff, you know, see what I can do with it. Did you say two years or two weeks? Two weeks. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My first son is a year old and we just had our second son. He's two oh. weeks old. So that is my biggest project I've undertaken yet. You're going to have a whole new source of inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. I'm finding it now, man. Like I, when I'm working on some stuff, I give my young, my first son, Ra, I give him some clay. And though he kind of gets it everywhere and it's really hard to get off the carpet, it's not the greatest thing. I, was, I want to see what he does with it. You know, like I'll build him a little race car and see what he does with it. You know, I love that. I love that. So you do a lot of illustration work as well, and you have commissions available on your website. Do you still like do you try to pump that a lot? Is that something yes, I do? Yeah, I definitely do. I know I need to work a little more right now on promoting some more stuff. It's just since we had our second son, I've been so dead focused on that. 
but I am still taking commissions. My commissions are fully open. I have a couple that I just finished up yesterday. Now, are you finding a, a community to be a part of, even yeah. though you're, you know, you're definitely isolated? Yeah, definitely, definitely. The Columbus, the community in Columbus is great. Like I've met some really, really cool people. I've touched bases with the Columbus Arts Council. Uh, I've touched bases with um, a really cool apothecary out here. And just, I've met some really great people just by doing festivals, just being out in the community. And such a, since it's such a small community, and I feel like my work has made, I guess, a good impact because I've been not recognized by some people, but I've seen some people out in public who have purchased some of my work. And it was just like, yo, that's so cool. Like, that is so cool. Like, hey, nice to see you. You're bringing a new style. You're bringing a new breath of air into to Mississippi with with your experience and your background and your art. Like I, I appreciate that. And I love that part of what Mississippi is getting to cultivate. Now, we happen to be a weird state that has, you know, um, it has its hang ups. But at the same time, we are a very affordable place to live. And if you can get a hold of the resources, we have some resources here to play with. But I'm I'm excited every time somebody comes in from outside and brings something fresh and new. Yeah, man, it's just people say Mississippi is a really bad place to live, but I have not found that here. Like when I told a lot of my family I was moving here, it was a complete just an utter shock to them, and it was just like, man, got to look past a lot of what what is said and actually go check it out for yourself because since I've been here, I've been here for a year now, you know, I love it here. You know, this is a place I actually plan on staying for a while. I don't see the need to go elsewhere. if I have a lot of what I'm looking for here. I'm excited to hear that. Now you're doing random events that are popping up. I know you had one for Cinco de Mayo and there yes. are painting classes and such that are around there. Is that something that you do often? Yes, I've done a few in Atlanta. I've done a few in Texas. Um, I did one out in Miami, and I've actually done some in Atlanta. But to bring it here, I was just like, you know, not hesitant, but I was really interested to see what the community would be like for it. But once I got out here and realized people like to drink, um, painting and drinking is a thing everybody might like to do. And it turned out great. Uh, the first one we did was actually with the Columbus Arts Council. And um, we had a great time, great time. So it was like, you know, I see it's a good community for it out here. I noticed it really wasn't a thing prevalent in this area. So I was just like, hey, let's, let's try this out. A lot of the random events I do are just because I like to meet people, even though I'm an introvert. But I like to hear people's feedback about my work. You know, like I and think this is the most ugliest thing all day long but if everybody wants it then I guess it's not that bad you know I'm my biggest critique like I am my worst enemy when it comes to that like I cannot tell you how many pieces I have destroyed for no reason because it was like ah this is horrible I can do so much better it tends to be the case all the time. I, I do a painting and I'll absolutely hate it. And then I don't want to show it to anybody and somebody will randomly walk in and see it. And it's the, their favorite thing I've ever done. I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'll post it. And then all of a sudden people love that piece. I'm like, Why? <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, do you not see the flaws? I see them. <laughs> so I'm interested in that piece above your head. I want to see it. Just, uh, the Marilyn Monroe the piece. Bottom crease. Yeah, I want to see that. Oh, that is fire. I like that. 
Thank you. That was one. What was your medium? Acrylic. I use really thin washed out layers like you would with watercolor and I let them sit and then I'll do it over and over and over until I build the image and it's all transparent. So it's like glass when you're looking through it. Man, I like that. Well, thank you. Painting is not a thing that I can say I do very often. My biggest medium are markers. Um, I wanted to get sponsored by the Copic brand, but at the time I wasn't really interested in not say I wasn't really interested. I wasn't really taking what I was doing as serious as I should have been. And this was before that 2018 mark. I was out in Florida and I got introduced to markers. And I thought they were like the coolest thing in the world. Because obviously everybody knows a marker, but I don't think anybody knows how deep it goes with the brands of markers. So over time, I collected a set of about 300. I think they only have like 358 colors. I tried to get all of them because I love them so much. I was like, oh man, this is so cool. Like I get to really blend something and I don't have to worry about paint, you know? And I don't have to get as messy as working with like charcoal or working with pastels. You know, I was just like, man, this is really cool. So once I got into the marker scene, it was just like, oh, okay. I'm going to take my work to like different heights. The burger sketch is actually colored in marker. And I rendered it on my iPad, just so that when it prints, it didn't print as acidic because markers have so much acid and alcohol in them. So I was just like, if I put this to this, this is going to have a different outcome for me. And I took my sketching and I took my basis of what I knew about color and just kind of applied it to the marker scene. And it worked out well for me. I can necessarily say it took my art to a different height. I don't know if you would ever be interested, but there, you know, that the, the Copic marker skill is something that I know that my teens and, and that age group is very, very interested in learning. And I don't have the patience to deal with it. <laughs> what? Oh, man. It's yes, just, you do. If you can do all of those layers on that Marilyn Monroe piece. Yes, you do. <laughs> you have it for sure. I, I you know, but it, it's it's one of those things where do I want to grab onto another medium and play with it and develop it and learn it? And, or do I want to kind of sit? And I think eventually I will jump in and grab them to play around. So I'll be able to teach my, my kids. Um, but that would be something if you ever wanted to teach kids, that would be a class that would sell out in a heartbeat. I can guarantee you. I can that is, well, speaking of that, what's your day to day like? What do my you do? Day to day. Uh, my day-to-day has changed, really. Just taking care of my son's learning what it means to be a father. Like, I'm trying to balance that life between being a full-time artist and being a dad at the same time and realizing, you know, the time I had to completely just dedicate utter and every day bit in existence of my day to art is now being split. So my day-to-day is just having time to create some stuff at night you know, still working a day job as if everybody else has to now, you know, we can't live off of our creativity. So to say sometimes, you know, sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. So day to day, working a day job, taking care of my son, learning what it means to be a husband and just enjoying my life, so to say. Like I find a lot of my time to create at night, you know, because the house is finally quiet. And it's just like, you can relate to having kids, you know, during the day, it's a madhouse. And then at night, it's just 
utter silence. And it's just like, you know, that's my time I find to just get into some of my projects. And sometimes I realize I don't even sleep. Like it'll be about four or five o'clock in the morning. My wife comes into the studio like, hey, are you going to go to sleep? Um, I guess not because the sun is coming up now. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun. I can definitely say that. But it's, um, it's challenging because I have a lot of time where I really want to just dedicate to just doing nothing but creating some stuff. But I know there are other things that require my attention and my focus. So for everyone who's listening, you can go and find Ra's art on ExceliusArt.com or on Instagram at ExceliusArt. It's E-X-C-E-L-I-U-S-A-R-T. So go and make sure to follow him and find out what he's doing and what he's all about and support a, a young Mississippi artist, a new father again, and just watch his life as it's going to develop. Um, Ra, one last question, and I'll let you go. Um, I, I, I thank you so much for the time that you've given and, and all the, the life experience that you've gotten to talk about. Um, but for anyone who's coming up behind you or for yourself as a younger artist, what would be some advice that you would give? The advice I would give would be don't stop. Do, do not stop. If you have an idea, push it. If you have something you want to create and see come to life, push it. Don't let anybody stand in your way. You know, there's a common term that is starving artists. And it doesn't have to be that. You know, everybody has an opportunity and a sense of ability to create something and be something in their lives. So just don't stop. If you have anything you want to do, don't stop pushing. Anybody around you does not believe it. It does not matter. You believe it, it can come true. And this episode will be going up in a few weeks. Do you have anything coming up that you'd like to share about? Uh, yes, I will be at the next Burns Bottom Festival coming up in Columbus, Mississippi. Uh, other than that, I don't have anything else planned out super far, aside from just taking in some commissions and spreading my arm with the world, I guess. Well, Ra, thank you again for being here. Everyone, make sure you go and check out his art. It's exceliusart.com and you can find him on Instagram. Again, thank you for your time. And for everyone else, we will talk to you again soon. And a special thank you goes to our members, the Friends of the Little Yellow Building, Beth Breland, Mary Hardy, Gwen Fury, Mary Adams, Jenny Howard, Jenny Moak, Evelyn Peavy, The Evans Family, Janet Smith, Buffy Jordan, Jennifer Drinkwater, The Smith Family, Bob Bruzak, and Hannah Hester. Thank you for all the support.